0: Listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, gentlemen. We've got, uh, we did lie to you last month. I believe uh, Pastor Parker said uh, Pastor Dan was going to uh, talk this month, but. We got to looking at that poor guy's schedule, and he was swamped uh, this week, and I know the preparation time he's been putting into uh, the Covenant uh, series, and I thought, you know what? He needs a day off, and so this morning, or last night, a couple days ago, I said, you just need to roll over on Saturday morning, and uh, you don't even need to be here, and so uh, that's what he did, so it's good. He needs to take a little break, but man let's uh thank you so much for being here it's and you know as i thought about this it's so much more you know a lot of times i ask myself why why are we doing this is it because abide church needs a men's program if that's the reason we need to shoot this pig in the head and never do it again We don't need another program. I don't need another something to do on Saturday morning. Neither do you. But we do it because there should be something every month that we take away. That we take away from this that is life-changing, that we decide to apply. And I thought, you know, I I look back at the few months that we've been doing this, and uh, seven months now, I can't believe it. But last November, man, I was all excited about this. Uh, 13 guys uh, had RSVP'd, were coming out. And man, I had something really great to, to say. And here was the title. I'm going to share the title with you. And uh, here was the title of what I was going to share that first Saturday in November Sheepdog or pussy Cat? <laughs> Which one are you? <laughs> And some of you were here, I think Riley, you were here that very first time. And, and it was one of those days that when I got up here and I had my notes and I was getting ready to do it, uh, the Lord just said, that's not it. So I'm thinking like, okay, you know, what am I supposed to talk about for 30 minutes or whatever? And so I crumpled it up and threw it over my shoulder and, you know, I, I saved it on my computer though. So some, one day you might hear that little talk. But uh, I got to thinking about it, so man, that very first uh, Saturday, I just shared a a few things about my life and what I've gone through, and then in December, we talked about accountability. Me and Ephraim uh, were up here, and we talked about how important it is to have a man in your life that is going deep in your life and asking you questions and holding you accountable. In January, Ephraim came back and talked about health, healthiness. Taking steps towards health as he went for his third plate this morning. And, you know, are we taking steps towards health? It's godly. It's the right thing to do. In February, we had some ladies up here that told us about what women want in a godly man. In March, we talked about sin. Boy, it was real quiet, that one. In April, I had my sons up here, and we talked about relationships. And even when you mess up, God can restore and make things good and right. And uh, this month, we're going to talk very quickly here about work and what God has called us to do. But what's the big deal with that? If we're not taking this stuff and applying it, we don't need to do this anymore. And like I say, it's not about the numbers. It's no big deal, you know. You know, we don't need 150 guys here. That's not my goal. But it's that for the guys that do come, and for me, that I take it. Apply it, and I change. Otherwise, we're just wasting an hour a month plus drive time to do this. But it's to apply it to our lives. So today, we're going to get started here. I have one verse I want to share with you before we do. Proverbs twenty-two twenty-nine says this. Observe people. I'm going to change that to men. Observe men that are good at their work. Skilled workers are always in demand and admired. They don't take a back seat to anyone. Okay. God's word. Do we believe it? All of it? Or do I pick and choose? This is our anchor. This is our rock. This is the only thing. That's what God's word says about a diligent man, a diligent worker. So, you know, many times as we age, we look at work different than other generations. And, you know, I work with millennials. My sons are millennials. And actually, I love it because they make me look at things differently. And because I want to look at things like a grumpy old man. I want to look at things like my grumpy dad looked at things. And there's certain ways you're supposed to do things. And uh, but. I love that, especially at the end where he says, Dad, you know? So if a millennial ever frustrates you, do not kick their butt. Go find an old gray-haired guy like me and kick their butt because it's their fault for raising millennials a certain way. Not all millennials are bad, but uh, if you're upset with them, uh, check it out. But it's, it's good. You know, I've had... Man, I've had a lot of different jobs in the last 61 years. Uh, I'm going to name a few of them off here for you, and I'm going to be honest with you today. Many of those jobs, I was lousy and lazy and a complainer and a whiner. I missed a lot of days of work for no reason at all, just because I didn't want to go to work. For decades, I was a lousy, employee and one of the reasons was because I chose to be that way but another reason was my dad never once sat me down and talked about work talked about diligence talked about integrity at work he was that he was all those things I could I learned some of it from watching him work but he never once sat me down and talked about it he never once talked to me about money, about girls. You know, I still don't know if I'm doing that one right. You know, me and Dad never talked about it. Men, you need to talk to your kids. You need to talk to your grandkids. Talk to them about work. But is, diligence is. Uh, common sense, you know, it's like Ephraim says, common sense is not common anymore. But... Here's some of the jobs I had, and I'll be honest. A lot of these, I was a lousy employee. I was a paper boy, I was a lawnmower. I had a great job when I was a teenager. I've never, you know, all my friends like washed dishes and did stuff like that. I grew up in this little tourist town in uh, North Iowa called Clear Lake, Iowa. It's a great place to grow up. Lived uh, close to this beautiful lake. And uh, every spring, when the ice went out, we got out there and put all the docks in, all the docks for all the boats all the way around the lake. In the fall, before the lake froze up, all the docks had to come back out. And uh, I loved that job because even then during the summer, uh, you were out working on the lake, you were out there, you are working hard, and uh, it was just a lot of fun. And it was hard work, but, man, you were out on the lake. And who else is out on the lake when you're 16-year-old? Teenager, there's girls out on the lake, and there was always docks to repair that some drunken boater tore up when they were coming in to to land their boat, and so there was always work to do, and just uh, it was a great job. I loved it. I've been a welder, I've been a swamper on a pipeline. If you don't know what that is, uh, ask me afterwards. I've been a brick tender. I've been a laborer. Get this one. I've been a substitute teacher. Can you imagine me as a substitute teacher? Shane, Shane, can you imagine that? This was a couple years ago, too. So I'm being, I'm a substitute teacher at a Christian school here in town, right? And about, uh, I've taught everything from fifth grade math, I shouldn't say taught, I was in the classroom, telling kids to shut up. I'm going to hit you. And from fifth grade uh, math, science, whatever it was, all the way up to 12th grade Bible. And so, you know, I was there for, uh, I don't know, three or four weeks doing that. I did it for about a month, month and a half. And, you know, the pay was great, minimum wage, you know. it was. And so about a week into it, I get called to the principal's office, right? And I'm like, man. I'm doing pretty good here. And, you know, I didn't teach them anything. We just talked. I had all these stories. I'm a storyteller. So we had stories. I gave them life. I gave them real life. I gave it to them raw and real. And we talked about life. And so I get called into the principal's office. And he says, hey, Randy, you need to, uh, in a couple of your classes, we heard that you, you said some things that you shouldn't repeat. We just don't want you to say that in front of the kids. And I said, well, like What? What, you know, so I know, so I don't say it again. And he said, well, you've said the word ass in front of the kids. And then he said, there's another phrase that's offensive and we don't say anymore. And he said, you said the phrase cotton picking one time. And if you know me, I am not prejudiced in any way, shape, or form. I don't care what color you are. Uh, my question to you is, do you love Jesus? And, uh, and so, you know, I'm kind of taken back At first, the fur goes up on the back of my neck, and it's like, what? I'm thinking, one of those little rats went to and told the principal <laughs> that Mr. DeBell said ass, so, you know? And I'm just thinking, man, I'd love to just, I'd like to know, give me a name. I want to know who this kid is, you know? But yes, I was a substitute teacher. Uh, I worked on concrete slip form silos. You ever s- gone to a cement plant or, a, or someplace like that? You see these massive concrete silos? I worked on one 220 feet tall. And you, when you really stop and think about it, when those are being built or poured, they go 24 hours a day until they're done. And you're being jacked up on green concrete, slowly, ever so slowly. And the three shifts, night and day, and uh, it was a pretty interesting job. I've been a ham boner. I've been a factory rat. I've been a concrete finisher. I've been a roofer. I've been a children's pastor, a transportation director, an operations director, an associate pastor. And through all of those things, I've been a carpenter. So it isn't just one thing. Like, people still ask me, man, what has God called you to do? What's the one thing God has called you to do? And to be honest with you, I struggle with that. I know I'm skilled and gifted with my hands and with wood. And sometimes I can be skilled and gifted with people, and sometimes not so much. (laughs) And God's working on that. So we're going to talk about that. You know, right off the bat, God had something to say about work. And in Genesis 2.15, it says, The Lord took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So think about that. Here's Adam in a perfect place. Perfect. He's running around naked with the woman of his dreams running around naked. He's friends with God. God comes and physically meets him, talks to him every day. He knows God. God knows him. You talk about paradise. You talk about having it made. And what's God do? Does God ruin it all by saying you need to work? God's saying work is good. It's something men need to be doing. I, you know, there's nothing wrong with collecting unemployment or getting government help when it's needed, but that's not how Christian families are supposed to live. Many people have the government checks are rolling in, and it's better to just stay home and not work. They make more money. It's not right. If you're a Christian man, you need to have a job. You need to go out, and we need to be working. Pastor Willie George, I admire that man, and and many years ago I heard him say this, and I, I wrote it down years and years ago. He said, don't ever look down on common work, That ordinary job is a blessing from God. And if you don't do anything else, do it as unto the Lord. Work. What has God called you to do? What has God called you to do? Has He called you to be a pastor? So many times that's what we think. Well, God calls pastors and evangelists and and missionaries and those kind of people. God calls them to do that. You know God calls carpenters and plumbers? CPAs? Surgeons? Truck drivers? Teachers? Because we're supposed to have an influence and be light and salt wherever we are. Whatever we do, what has God called you to do? There's four ways, very quickly today, on how we can be blessed at work. One of them is honor, diligence, loyalty, and Sabbath. Four things that we can look at real quick today. The first one is honor, honor God. Matthew 6.33, God's word. It's all true, right? It's all true. We've already got that secured and settled. Matthew 6.33, I love this verse. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and He will give you everything you need. Do I really believe that? Do I really believe that? Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and He will give you everything you need. Proverbs 2121 21 says, Whoever pursues godliness and unfailing love will find life, godliness, and honor. How are you gonna have a good day at work? It's your chair time first thing in the morning, bright and early. Well, Randy, you don't understand. I have 12 kids. You don't understand. You know, there's chaos in our house. Randy, you don't understand. Well then that means you get up earlier. or whatever your shift is, or whatever time you go to work, to be in God's Word before you go out into the world and interact with heathen, (laughs) people that don't like you, people that rub your fur the wrong way, how do I deal with them when I haven't been in God's Word first thing in the morning? For me, it's easy. I'm just as mean and grouchy and ugly as they are that's a piece of cake I can be that all day long (laughs) I can do that in my sleep I can be mean and ugly it's it's easy for me so I've realized if I don't get in God's word and have undistracted time you know when I'm in the truck driving uh, that's not my chair time because it's distracted when I'm in the truck I might have praise and worship going on I might be praying for folks that's all well and good But then some imbecile will not dim their lights or cut me off, and I go right from speaking in tongues to almost cussing somebody. Uh, That's not undistracted time with the Lord. It's good. It's good to have that time, but it's not undistracted. It's you and God. You're in His Word asking Him to show you His truth, and He will. Here's the second thing, diligence. I have a, a few things about diligence I want to share with you. Proverbs 10:4 says lazy people are soon poor, hard workers get rich. I don't know about you. You know, I'm not I'm rich in a lot of ways, but financially I'm not rich yet. Cuz I think about, man, if I was rich, I'd really help this church. If I was rich, I'd really help my kids. If I was rich, I'd see people in need, and I'd buy them a car. I'd buy them a house. I would fill up their pantry if I was rich. But diligence is, even when you're not rich, are you serving somebody? Are you loving somebody? Are you giving to the church you attend? Are you serving there? Are you just M.I.A.? Your kids need to see you in church. They need to see you serving other people. I think about Mr. Garland sitting back there. For years, he drove a bus every Saturday morning for bus on the move. Faithful, faithful, faithful. And his wife and kids were on that bus. And every week, they watched him and saw how faithful he was, serving year after year after year. It wasn't a couple of months that he did it. You don't think God has honored him and blessed him and his family? His family looks at him different because they saw his heart. Was bus on the move always an easy Saturday? Oh, man. <laughs> I remember one time he had a wheel bearing go out. Fire, the, the, the wheel, the whole hub, everything fell off the bus. And then you got to deal with the kids kids were a piece of cake then you got to deal with the parents oh i wanted to strangle parents (laughs) it was not you talk about chair time boy you needed chair time before you did bus ministry but i look at that how rich mr garland is because he served i'm just a bus driver it's a big deal how did kids get to church without a bus driver they didn't somebody had to say yeah I'll do it. I'll drive that bus. Proverbs 13.4 says this, also talking about lazy people. Lazy people want much but get little. But those who work hard will prosper and be satisfied. Proverbs 10.26, lazy people are a pain to their employer. They're like smoke in the eyes or vinegar that sets the teeth on edge. Have you ever sat around a bonfire and no matter where you moved your chair, The smoke was going to your eyes. You know, what do they say? It follows beautiful people or the most handsome guy in the room or whatever. But every time I get around a bonfire, that smoke just right in the eyes. Yeah, right. (laughs) Have you ever seen somebody smoking a cigarette? some of these old-timers, and they'll take a drag off it, and they're all squinted up, and and the smoke rolls back in their face and their eyes, and they're just acting like it's just painful misery, you know, to, to drag on that thing. When I'm a lousy employee, that's what I do to my boss. That's what I'm doing to my employer. Man, how about teams? I watched my boys over the years play on football teams. In baseball teams. They even tried soccer once. You know, soccer. Are you kidding me? Even basketball. My sons even played basketball once, Stephen. Do you believe that? You know, we were a football family. and uh, But there was at least one guy on every team that was lazy. He wouldn't put in the time. He wouldn't put in the effort. It didn't matter if it was in the weight room or at practice. And... And he just he wasn't, he was just MIA, but he wanted to play. He wanted to be the star. He wanted to start, but he didn't want to put any of the work in. I thought about the teams I've worked on and gangs of construction crews that I've worked on over the years, and there was always that guy. There was always that lazy guy that you felt the whole team is carrying this sucker around. And as I work around people like that, I look at them with great animosity And sometimes even hatred. Because I'm carrying your butt. Your laziness makes me work harder. And I'm already a hard worker. And now I have to lug you around because your dad is the boss. I've been in that situation. And it ain't fun. Don't be that guy. Don't be that lazy guy. Diligence. Show up early. Be willing to stay late and work some overtime. I'm not saying a workaholic. Your family needs you. Your family needs you at home. This morning I was talking to a gentleman, and he talked about how he's working like 20-hour days. And his 8-year-old said, Dad, I haven't seen you in forever. That's not good. That will catch up with you someday. And you'll have a teenager that looks at you and says, I don't even know my dad. And I know at six, I just turned 61, and at 61, if I'm not careful, I look back and I have regret after regret after regret after regret. Don't live with regrets. Don't let those things eat your lunch. Don't be a workaholic, but be an extra miler. If somebody says, hey, come on one mile with me, what's the Bible say? go to be the extra miler go to being late is lazy and disrespectful it shows no concern for others it's selfish and it puts you first when you come into whatever it is late you say i'm the most important person in the room i'm the most important person on this construction site because i can be late Maybe a whole gang or a whole crew is waiting on somebody to show up that has information or direction. Don't be late for anything. Don't be late for anything. There's really no excuse to be late. A lot of times it's just we're hitting the snooze, snooze, snooze. Don't be late. It's not diligence. Be diligent even when others aren't. Be godly, not worldly. Don't blend in. Many times you see guys on a job site or we go to work, and what do we want to do? I just want to blend in. I want to be one of them. I don't want to be different. I don't want anybody to point me out. I don't want the boss to point me out or to pick on me. I just want to blend in with all the other guys. I'm going to talk like them. I'm going to walk like them. I'm going to work like them. Don't blend in. You know, you get on a, a crew or something like that with a bunch of lazy people, and uh, they'll hate you for working. They'll threaten you for working. I'll never forget, right out of, uh, right out of high school, my brother-in-law, he, uh, he got me on as a union laborer, and this was up in Mason City, Iowa. And, man, back in 1978, I had just turned 18 in May of 1978, just graduated high school, and he got me a job. And it was $7.99 an hour. And back in 1978, for an 18-year-old kid that was making minimum wage, which was $2.50 an hour, a pounding in dock posts all day long, I hit the jackpot. And I got to work on some of all these jobs that I mentioned, all these different jobs I got to work on. And one of these jobs, one of the first jobs I had, I was a brick tender. And so one guy was just over here with the mixer mixing mud. But there was three brick layers that I had to take care of. I had to make sure they had mud. They had mud ready to go. Some of them liked it dry. Some of them liked it wet. Some of them liked it medium. They, you, did, you know, every guy was different, how he liked his mud. And how it worked on his trowel and how he laid block with it. And we were laying these great big corduroy blocks. They were 16 inches wide, uh, 12 inches deep. They were big. They were heavy. It was hard work. And I'm the new guy, right? And I have three brick tenders that I have to take care Or brick, brick layers that I have to take care of. They're my responsibility totally. And so I get showed a few things, and they give me a few pointers and a few hints, and you're building a scaffold for them and everything else. It's your job to just make sure when they yell mud, they got mud. They don't ever run out of anything. It's all right there. Because when a bricklayer's laying brick, brick, stone block, whatever it is, he wants to turn, grab, and go. No wasted motion. No wasted motion. He doesn't want to walk 12 feet, pick up one brick, and walk back 12 feet. It's all got to be right there. And when it's not, they let you know about it. And so I thought, man, I'm going to kill this job. I'm going to tear this up. And, man, I did for two days. The second day, about lunchtime, the labor foreman comes up to me and says, hey, come here, I need to talk to you. And I'm thinking, man, I'm going to get a pat on the back. <laughs> I'm going to get a that-a-boy, Randy, you're doing good. And he says, hey, what's your name again? Randy. He said, okay, Randy. He said, you need to knock it off. And I said, what? Am I not fast enough? Am I, what am I doing wrong? He said, you're working too hard. He said, you're making the other laborers look bad? And he said, they're all really ticked off at you right now. I'm an 18-year-old kid, right? And here's grown men mad at me. I mean, put up your dukes sort of mad. Uh, you know, we'll meet you in the, in the parking lot after work, mad. And I'm like, why, why? And he said, slow down. He said, we don't work that way. If there's anything you don't want to do, all you have to do is say, no, I'm, I'm not going to do it. He said, this is a union job. You are a union laborer. And it gave me a lot of different opinions about the union. I won't go into that. But it protected laziness. It made things go over budget. It made things go take longer. Never met a construction deadline. Never. And so, wow, it really popped my balloon as an 18-year-old kid. So what did I do the rest of the day and the next, the next day? I blended in. I blended in. I want to be just like them. I don't want to get the snot kicked out of me after work. I'm going to just blend in and be just like them. And that did not serve me well. For years, for years, I was a lousy, lazy employee, just like I said. Model Jesus Christ in all you do. Live, love, look like Jesus. Here's a few little tips for all of us. Don't take extra long breaks or lunch breaks. I worked with a young man, and at this this site we had a a one-hour lunch. I hate a one-hour lunch. What do you do with a one-hour lunch? 30 minutes is more than enough. What do you do with a one-hour lunch? And so this young man would take about a one-hour and 15-minute lunch, and then he would go sit on the john for another 30 to 40 minutes after lunch. So this guy was getting a, over a two-hour lunch most days. And, you know, after a few days of that, I would look at this kid, and I just I wanted to strangle him. I wanted to beat him up in the parking lot, right? But it was just like, he's stealing. He's a robber. He's a thief. He's taking money out of my pocket He's stealing from this company. Well, eventually it all got looked at, and he, of course, got let go. But I just thought, don't be that guy. Don't take those extra long breaks. Even if there's nothing to do, find something to do. I don't care if you work in an office, have a cubicle, putting up fence, driving a truck. No matter where you're at, what you're doing, there's always something to do. Always. Always something to do. I remember when we were pouring concrete, many, many days, we were waiting on the concrete trucks to arrive. They were supposed to be there at 10 a.m., 10.15, 10, 10.30. 10, Where are the trucks? We're ready. The forms are in. The metal's in the hole. We're ready to pour. And honestly, many times, there was nothing to do. But what do you do? Well, there's tools that can always be cleaned. I'd go organize my truck. Or sweep out my truck or, or, or whatever. But there was always something to do. A lot of guys would go find a shade tree and sack out under a shade tree. On really hot days, I did it too. Because you knew the rest of the day you were going to be hitting it and hitting it hard physically. But there's always something that you can do. Here's one for you. If you break it, speak up. This isn't real deep spiritually today, but if you break it, speak up. I tore that up. I put that dent in the side of the truck. I messed up. What do I need to do to make it right? Does it need to come out of my check? Do I need to put it on a credit card? Uh, What do I need to do to make this right? But so many times, guys will tear the guts out of something. I don't know who did it. I don't know how that happened. Or they'll try to shove it off on somebody else. Or you make a mistake at work that maybe cost the the company money. I did it. That's on me. That's totally on me. You know that's rare? I worked uh, for a ministry for 15 years. And truthfulness and honesty was even rare in a Christian ministry. Among Christians, that's on me. I did it. Nobody wanted to get in trouble. Nobody wanted to get chewed out. Nobody wanted to get canned. Living in fear a lot of times of what am I going to do? I had those thoughts. What am I going to do if I get fired? I'm getting old. I don't want to go out in the world and work again. It's safe and warm here working at this ministry. God's bigger than that. God's bigger than that. Once again, model Jesus in all that you do. If you break it, speak up. Exodus twenty fifteen: You shall not steal. Wasting company time is stealing. Put your phone down. Do you work with anybody that lives with this thing? Lives with it in front of their face? I worked with a guy. His wife called him eight to ten times a day, and I would hear her on the phone Hey, honey, what you doing? And it finally got to the point where I would yell at him and I'd say, He's working. But, honey, what you doing? Having a good day? You know, in construction, you need these. You need these things to build, to hold, to saw, to drill. To cipher sometimes. Sometimes you just got to sit down and cipher stuff out and do a little math. You know, when you're building stairs and stuff like that, Mr. Garland, you know. Sometimes you got to cipher stuff out. Honey, what you doing? A long, long time ago, me and my little wife talked about this. And I said, Honey girl, you can call me at work anytime that one of the boys has just lost a limb. If they've lost a limb or have been speared with something and you're headed to the hospital, please call me. I will meet you at the hospital. I will be there. I love you. You know I love you. I kissed you, hugged you, and said I love you before I left in the morning. You know, you can send me a text that says, love you, praying for you today. Tremendous. I love that. I'll look at it at lunchtime. But don't call me at work. I don't call her at her work. I don't call her at home when I'm working. Because when I'm on the clock, that time doesn't belong to me and my wife, Helen. It belongs to the dude paying me. It belongs to not my master, but my boss. Don't waste or steal time. Time. the third thing is this loyalty be loyal to the person directly over you and the company they represent if you are just always jacking your jaws behind the company's back behind your supervisor behind your boss always complaining go find another job you shouldn't work there if it's so bad so rotten so no good go find another job but sometimes it's so much fun to just really drill somebody behind their back right man i've been in those meetings 10 12 people the big guy is there the boss the owner of the company And, you know, maybe there's been some guys that have been complaining and whining. Well, that's not right. That's not fair. And they're going amongst all the other guys and other people, people below them, whining and complaining. And the big boss says, okay, if you've got something to say, anybody in this room, you will not be fired. You will not be reprimanded. But he said, I want truth, and I want it right now. Tell me the truth. Tell me what's going on, and if you've got something to complain about, I want to hear it right now. And the biggest whiners and complainers sat there. And some of you are nodding your head. I know exactly what you're saying. And they took great interest in their fingernails, and that sliver that I just haven't been able to get out did nothing to say. When somebody that could change things and make things right was asking. But they had all kinds to say to the people they all kinds of things to say to the people around them and below them. That's a coward. Don't be that. When the big guy comes around and says, Hey, tell me what's going on here. Why isn't this working? Do we need to do something different? Yes, sir, we do. And here's what we need to do. I think this would work better. Speak up. Your company will thank you for it. Like I say, if you can't be loyal to the company you work for, you need to get out. You need to leave. But, 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 but the money's so good. But, but, but my retirement is all. But, but, but the benefits, it ain't worth it. If you come home grumpy every night and boo-hooing to your wife about, man, they're mean to me there. They hurt my feelings. You know. You want to know what happened today? You don't know what Jason did to me. You don't know what Jason said to me. Come on, that's that's seventh grade stuff, fellas. I've been guilty of it. I've done it. Here's something we all need to do, and I've made a practice of this for at least ten years. Ask your supervisor this question in private: What can I do to take a load off of you? The person directly over you. Get them in private. What can I do to take a load off of you? Ask your pastor that. What can I do every Sunday to take a load off of you? Where you can just come and minister to people and love on people. Let me take care of the nuts and the bolts. I don't need a microphone. I don't need to be a big shot. But what can I do, pastor, to unload you? Our pastors need to be asked those questions, that question. But you know what I found out? When I started asking people above me that question, I got great favor. Did I get more work? Yes, I did. But I also got, I'll I'll tell you a little bit about that in a second. But when it comes to raises and promotions and favorite work, remember this. God is bigger than any boss I've ever had. He's bigger than any church I ever worked for. He's bigger than any company I've ever worked for. And here's something I quit doing in 2008. In 2008, I quit asking for raises. But, but, wait, my year is up. My, and they said in one year, but, wait, wait a second, what, did you forget? In 2008, I quit asking for raises and reminding people about how great I am and how wonderful I do my job. I quit asking. Here's what happened. When I was diligent and asked my supervisor that question, here's what happened God made sure I got raises and promotions. I was asked to oversee areas that I knew nothing about. <laughs> Totally clueless, clueless, and asked, Randy, could you oversee this? I was on a carpenter crew. One day a person comes to me and says, Randy, our transportation department is a mess. It's a wreck. And they had everything from, uh, I mean, up to bulldozers and everything in between, vehicles of all kind, track hose, bulldozer. I mean, you name it, they had it. And he said, Randy, do you think you can straighten this thing out and organize it and, uh, and, you know, take care of our stuff? I said, yes, sir. I can do it. Did that for two years. Two years later, a person came to me and said, Randy, do you think you could take over the operations department? And I worked with some of you guys in the operations department. He said, could you take it over? And just make sure our buildings are maintained, the property looks great, and all these other things are taken care of. Could you oversee that and the team that does that? Yes, I can. Two years of that, a person came to me again. said, hey, Randy, your name has been on the whiteboard in that conference room for over a year now. We're trying to figure out what to do with you. Really? I'm thinking, I'm going to get fired today. You know, I automatically went negative. It just automatically went negative. This was such a good conversation. Then, pow, I'm going to get canned today. Nice working with you. I said, Well, would you like to be an associate pastor at one of our campuses? Yes, sir, I would. And with every one of those things, money came. I didn't have to ask for a raise. And in 2018, when I resigned from that position, we were well taken care of. All of our needs were met. And I, I was, I'll be honest with you. We were almost too comfortable because I became my own God. That job became my God. That job met all of our needs. Didn't have to believe God for anything. All of my needs financially were met because of that job. And I knew it was time for us to step away. Step away. Do something different. God is your boss. Work that way. The fourth and final thing is this a Sabbath. Everybody has a different uh, idea of what a Sabbath is, but it's a day that you need to rest. Spend time with the Lord, spend time with your family, and to rest. And I realized for weeks I had gone six days working six days a week for months and months and months. And I didn't have a Sabbath. Oh, wait a second, Randy. what about Sunday. Well, on Sunday, we're here at church about 7.30 a.m. We're helping, we're doing, we're serving. We leave about 12.30 and get to the house around 1, 1.15. It's really not a Sabbath. We have a great afternoon, evening together. Me and Helen, a lot of times the kids, grandkids would come over. That's really not a Sabbath. And like I say, everybody's definition is just a little bit different. So Friday has been my Sabbath, and it's just a day I take. And it's me and Helen. It's me and Helen. And whatever she wants to do, wherever she wants to go, that's what we do. And we just hang out. Some days, that's why I love her so much. She likes John Wayne movies just as much as me. Let's watch The Searchers. Let's sit on the couch together and watch The Searchers. Great movie. If you have not seen John Wayne's The Searchers, you are missing out. Your Sabbath. Your Sabbath. Those are four things, gentlemen, that we all need. And here's the last two questions. What has God called you to do? If you absolutely do not know, seek Him like never before. What has God called you to do? Are you doing it or at least pursuing it? Don't wait for retirement. I've heard so many old geezers my age say, Well, when I retire, I'm going to slug it out for 10 more years working. And then when I retire, then I'm going to do what God's called me to do. Then I'm going to be happy. Then there's going to be no stress from from work, and I'm going to do what God has called me to do. Wrong answer. God wants you to be happy, fulfilled, and even love work today. Some of us are even going to work after this. If you're dreading Monday morning on Saturday, you're in the wrong spot, or you're doing it wrong, or something's wrong. You're not where God has called you to be. And even when you are doing what God's called you to do, it's not perfect. Because I work there. I serve there. You're there. There's humans involved. But today, walk away with that. Are you right now today doing what God has called you to do? Because there's great peace with that. There's comfort with that when you know I'm in God's will. I'm smack dab in the middle of God's will. I'm not going to wait until retirement. I'm not going to wait till I'm 80. I'm not going to wait till I'm 90. But right now, at 61 years old, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I am in God's will. Gentlemen, I want to pray over you this morning. Lord Jesus, I praise you and I thank you for these men that came out this morning that sleep is not their master. They made a choice this morning to get up, and to be here. And I thank you and I praise you for them. I give you glory for them. I pray a blessing over them, over their families, and over their work, the occupation that you have called them to do. They have specific God-given gifts and talents that you have given them. They are blessed with them, and you want them to use them here on this earth right now today. And Lord, we're very careful to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.